I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Holiday cheer and violent delights land down in good old Las Vegas and Santa is dropping overhand rights down your chimney this year. The last card of 2023 is good to go with a couple of title fights, some tasty matchups, and as always, at least one or two unknowns for us to learn about. So let's all fill our big dumb MMA brains up with knowledge and make a few picks along the way for the last time this year, shall we? I'm Max from MMA On Point. Thank you so much to our Hall of Fame members on YouTube for their support and making these videos happen. And this is The Unfamiliars for UFC 296. Opening up a couple of big boys, Shamil Gaziev takes on Martin Budai. Our first undefeated fighter of the day enters the fray with Shamil Shamwao Gaziev. Shamwao is right because this dude is mopping the floor with his competition. Did you see what I did there? <laughs> 11 and 0, 10 finishes and a Dana White contender series round one submission on the record for the Dagestani fighting out of Bahrain and all that with the body type of your dad after a large chicken parmesan. My favorite bit about Shamil is his background in sports. You're thinking wrestling, combat sambo, maybe weightlifting, right? Nope, volleyball. Gaziev was a member of the national Dagestani volleyball team. When he met Khabib's dad, legendary coach Abdulmanap Namagomedov, he quickly left behind the total bloodshed of volleyball for the calming competition of combat sports. Despite losing his amateur debut, he went on to win regional amateur titles and a bronze at the IMMAF World Championships before going pro and crushing a lot of cans, I'll be honest. I'd say eight or nine of his 11 fights so far have been against bin men, but he demolished those bin men, and when he has been tested against higher level guys in Brave CF, and finally, Dana White's contender series, this man has more than been up to the task. Gaziev has night-night juice in his hands in the Rosenstroik, Derek Lewis mold, lovely reactive double-leg takedowns, and surprising speed for a man the size of your local pub. A lot of unanswered questions, of course, seeing as he's only left the first round a couple of times, but he's passed every test so far, so we'll just have to see how he fares at a higher level. Then again, it is heavyweight. Even the higher level isn't that high. His opponent, Martin Budai, is flying so far under the radar, he's in danger of clipping a power line. Breaking through into the UFC back in 2021, Dai has gone 5-0 with wins over recognizable heavyweights like Jake Collier and Chris Barnett, and he only has one loss on his 13-1 record back in 2017. The Slovakian turned to MMA in order to lose weight, as at 19 years old, he was nearing 400 pounds and played Counter-Strike for 20 hours a day like an absolute legend. So if MMA doesn't work out, you can always go back to selling knife skins on the Steam Marketplace. He actually was a pro esports player before turning to MMA, so score one for us nerds. Fuck you, jocks. Discovering BJJ after high school, Budai dropped the 
pounds and started crushing IBJJF competition at colored belt level before turning to mixed martial arts professionally. This game though doesn't make much use of the mat as he prefers to stick his opponents in a clinch, push them against the cage, and bully them with powerful knees and uppercuts. That's Budai's A game, a heavy, damaging cage grappling game. He makes knees to the thigh look like they could end a fight. Outside of that, his striking is a little bit of a liability out in the open as his footwork's not the best and he's liable to get stuck in boring heavyweight slogs on the feet, relying on his power and his chin to survive. His opponents inside the UFC have also gassed out very quickly under his pressure and he holds really good striking volume for a heavyweight. Budai is the favorite here and his strength of competition is much better than Gaziev's so far. We've also not seen Gaziev's gas tank tested yet, but to me Gaziev is much faster and hits much harder than anyone that Budai has fought in the UFC so far. I think Gaziev comes out fast and powerful and it's heavyweight so don't be surprised if something like this happens. I'm gonna go with the underdog, I'll take Gaziev by knockout. Next up at Featherweight, Andre Touchy-Feely takes on Lucas Almeida. Andre Feely is entering his 10th year and 21st bout as a UFC fighter. He's gone toe-to-toe -to -toe with two generations now of Featherweight killers. With just one win inside his last six, he's certainly always looking down the barrel of Dana White's gun, but with that much experience at just 33 years old, he's still definitely capable of pulling out wins against high-level guys, and the things that matter the most at this weight, speed and technique, have not left him. His opponent for this one is Brazil's Lucas Almeida, who's gone one and one so far in his short UFC career. Growing up in Sao Paulo, the young Almeida got himself into fights a lot as a kid, which naturally gravitated to him ending up in a martial arts gym. And now he finds himself with black belts in jiu-jitsu, muay thai, and kickboxing. Building up an 11-fight unbeaten streak in Brazil and winning the Jungle Fight Championship got Almeida a Dana White's contender series shot, which resulted in his first ever loss to Daniel Zellhuber. One more finish in Brazil, though, and Dana gave him a proper call-up, and he won his debut as an underdog against a tough winner, Mike Trezano. That fight was a war, and I recommend you watch it. Despite having experience in the kickboxing ring, he's not the most technical fighter. He usually relies on his speed and his punching power to win exchanges rather than using good footwork or form in his striking. He doesn't set things up, but he throws in heavy combinations. Almeida is liable to get hit when he starts his combinations and he leaves himself open in those exchanges, but usually comes out on top by landing the last and definitive hook after his opponent thinks the exchange is already finished. His UFC win came out of a fight like this as he brawled with Trezano and he nearly got knocked out a few times before starting to win those exchanges and doing enough damage to win. Most of his submission wins have come as a result of quickly countering or recovering from a knockdown with a speedy triangle or guillotine, but he doesn't usually go for the grappling. He prefers to brawl on the feet. It's a little bit of a tricky one to pick here. Philly is by far more technical and creative on the feet, and he has the skills to win this one by decision comfortably if he doesn't get caught in a brawl. But if he does and he gets clipped, he's liable to be in a really bad spot. I don't think Philly has lost his speed though, so if he can keep it on the outside and fight smart, I think he has the ability to get this one done. So I will take Andre Philly. I'll say he gets a done by decision. Next up, Tagir Ulambakov takes on Cody Durden. Tagir Ulambakov made a quick recovery after his last pay-per-view loss to Tim Elliott, and now he is 3-1 in the big show, continuing the excellent record of Team Khabib fighters. He's not been as dominant, perhaps, as expected from a Team Khabib guy, but his ability, his wrestling, and his capability of adapting to win a decision is keeping him inside the rankings at flyweight. Cody Durden, meanwhile, sits just inside the top 15, and he's bounced back entirely from his sub-one-minute loss to Mohamed Makayev in London, with a five-fight win streak, including most recently against a really tough customer in Jake Hadley. This is a great fight for a card with a flyweight title bout in the co-main, and it's a really high level one for the prelims as well. It's a bit of a pick'em for me here. I do think that they're very well matched on the feet, and the difference is going to be in the counter-wrestling and submission game of Ulambakov. Jordan is a great wrestler, but these Dagestanis just have this certain way of turning offensive wrestlers in on themselves and having them have to defend. I think Ulambakov's grappling is just on another level, so I will take Tagir Ulambakov by decision. Next up at 205, Alonzo Menfield takes on Dustin Jacoby. This one's a banger. Jacoby is as well versed
diverse as it gets in the kickboxing arena without being named Adesanya or Pereira, and Alonzo Medifield is big, large, and also huge. I imagine Medifield is going to have the advantage in grappling with his strength and his capability in the clinch, but I just don't see it going to the mat. These guys are both really happy to just stand and strike. Jacoby has an unbelievable gas tank at light heavyweight considering his volume. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And though he might not hit as hard as many field, he's going to throw a lot more and a lot more accurately than the big man. Jacoby's going to dictate where this fight takes place, and Menafield is going to be loading up looking for that one-shot counter. Once again, Jacoby needs to stick and move and keep it technical because Menafield, when he loads up, he's not just powerful, he's incredibly accurate, and his timing on those one-shot counters is really good. If Dustin can mix it up, go to the body, use his feints really well, I think he has the ability to confuse Menafield on the feet and win this one, I'll say by decision. Next up, Casey O'Neill takes on Ariana Lipsky. Casey may be coming off her first pro loss, but her performances leading up to that were incredible, and her volume on the feet is extremely high. She lands eight or nine strikes per minute. That's pretty elite in any weight class, but at this weight class, it's on another level. And on top of that, her ground game is smothering and her ground and pound relentless. A dangerous prospect for Lipsky, who is excellent in the clinch with her Muay Thai background and counter striking. I think Lipsky's going to have to clinch up a lot here because Casey is going to press her from the very first second, and unless she can land serious damage in the clinch, it's only going to make it easier for Casey to drag her to the mat and start beating her up. I wouldn't be surprised if Ariana is able to make Casey pay in close with those elbows and knees, but I do think Casey has way more avenues to win, and I think the clinch is going to lead to this hitting the mat, and that's where she's queen, so I'll take Casey O'Neill by TKO. Next up at 135, Cody Garbrandt takes on Brian Boom Boom Kelleher, so someone's going to sleep, right? I mean, both of these guys are classic American fighters. They started off wrestling, found out they can hit hard, and now they just like to swang and bang. Cody had that one otherworldly performance against Cruz, and then completely forgot how to box but he can still knock out any man walking at 135 pounds in a heartbeat. Kelleher is nearing the end for sure, but with his nasty power and slick guillotine whenever someone shoots on him, he is a danger for sure at any point in the fight. I do think these guys are going to meet in the middle and just kind of wing hook exchanges at each other until one of them falls down. And in that equation, you've got to say Cody's probably quicker and we know he hits fucking hard. So I will take Cody Garber and I'll say he gets a knockout here. Next up, we have Irene Aldana versus Carol Rosa at Bantamweight. Irene Aldana is coming off of being Amanda Nunez's retirement fight, but don't let that fool you. Anyone can lose to the GOAT. It's okay. Irene is one of the better boxers in these heavier weight women's divisions. And honestly, having the experience of being in there with the best of all time can only make her better. The anxiety of fighting Amanda Nunes must make fighting Carol Rosa look like a cakewalk. But she isn't, of course. Carol Rosa is a big, powerful lady. And working in close with takedowns and submissions, she is among the more dangerous grapplers in these weight classes too, making this a great styles clash. Rosa is cutting down from featherweight though, so we will see how much of a toll those extra pounds take on her. And that 
that compared with the fact that Rosa is giving up a lot of reach and height to a much better striker than her, means I feel like you have to lean towards Aldana here. So I'm going to take Irene Aldana. I'll say she gets it done by decision. Next at 145, Josh Emmett takes on Bryce Mitchell. This one's a cracker as well. Emmett has proved in his last two fights, despite losing both, that he is as tough as they come. He can take an absolute battering and not say uncle. Bryce Mitchell, of course, was one of those rare undefeated guys at this weight class before meeting his match in Ilya Teporia, but he has evolved as well, proving he's not just a grappling threat. He's capable of adapting, even when badly hurt like he was against Edson Barboza. Emmett will be headhunting and probably eating a lot of jabs, trying to close the distance. I think this being a three-rounder after a couple of five-rounders for Josh Emmett means he's not going to gas out early, and we might see him pressuring more than usual. His power is a difference maker here too, as Bryce is hittable. Bryce is going to want to get this one to the ground, but even with his ability and a submission threat, Josh Emmett is not an easy man to hold down. I also think Emmett is going to come out here knowing he's on a two-loss streak and thinking his career might be on the line. So I think we're going to see a little bit more fire and a little bit more cardio out of a dangerous Josh Emmett. I think he can clip Bryce. So I'm going to take Josh Emmett. I reckon he gets a TKO. Next up at lightweight, Tony Ferguson takes on Paddy the Baddie Pimblet. A weird one this is we all know Tony is unknowable and unfathomable. A massive losing streak and edging on 40 years of age combined with a weird overtraining David Goggins fight camp just seems like a horror show for Tony. But the thing is, Paddy is extremely hittable. He's one of the most hittable guys in the whole division and that is his biggest deficit. But you've got to say that the countering and speed has just left Tony behind. It might be a competitive grappling match. Paddy's really underrated down there and Tony, as we know, with that 10th planet rubber guard stuff, he's really dangerous too. But honestly, I can just see Paddy storming forward, throwing leather early and Tony not being able to withstand it. I can see Tony getting beaten up really badly here. I hope I'm wrong. But if he does, this should be the end of Tony Ferguson in the UFC. I'm going to take Paddy Pimblett by TKO. Man, I'm sad. And I'm about to get sadder. Next up at 170, Shavkat Rachmanov takes on Steven Wonderboy Thompson. This one's rough as well. Everyone's already rolling out the gurney for Wonderboy and you can see why. Shavkat is one of the most dominant looking fighters of the past few years. He's just hitting a stride. 17-0, all finishes. Terrifying. And this just looks like an awful matchup on paper for Steven. Even if his striking is still just as fast and his counter's just as slick as ever, if he gets backed up against the cage, like he does a couple times in every fight, Shavkat can get a hold of him and pretty much just end the fight in my eyes. Far more powerful, far more pressure, and far more dangerous grappling than anyone Steven has ever fought, and Steven is 40 years old. As much as I love Wonderboy, and I always, always wish for him to win, I don't see this going well for old Stevie boy. I'm going to take Shavkat Rachmanov by submission. Your co-main event of the evening for flyweight gold, Alessandro Pantoja takes on Brandon Royval for the second time. This one's a heck of a stars class for the belt. Just like Moreno, Royval does his best work with his hands, and the Raw Dog is a tricky, reachy striker who can absolutely crack, but Pantoja already has the blueprint to beat him. He did it to him once already, and he used the same game plan to wrest the title from Brando Moreno's hands, and in my opinion, Moreno is just a better version of Royval. Pantoja needs to control and take down Royval early, nullify the firepower, and just drown him on the mat. It might not be pretty, but goddamn, is it effective. Unless Royval wins some serious respect early with a couple of good hard shots. I can see Pantoja running away with this one with his takedowns and his smothering grappling. So I'm going to say Alexandre Pantoja remains the champion of the world by decision. And your final main event of the year, Leon Edwards defends his belt against Colby Covington. Colby finds himself back in a title shot despite having zero wins over a current top 15 opponent. Classic. Guys, I know MMA math is flawed, but come on. Usman beat Covington twice. Edwards beat Usman twice. Usman's grappling wasn't enough to overcome Leon Edwards and Covington just does not have wrestling on 
on that level. But the only thing Colby does have on the likes of Usman and Edwards is his pressure and his volume. But he needs to control the fight in order to use those properly. And I just don't see Leon letting him do that. Edwards has the much better technique on the feet. He hits harder. He has great defense and excellent anti-wrestling, all of which spell a win for me here. Obviously, we haven't seen Colby in a long time. Maybe he's gone off to the mountains and learned how to become a ninja with great knockout power, but I just don't see it. I'm going to take Leon Edwards once again to defend his title by decision. And that'll be it for the year, you guys. I hope you had a good year. 2023 was a great one in MMA. Some excellent finishes, some great fights, and some new guys to have a look at. But thank you, as always, to our YouTube channel champions for their support. Without you guys, we could not make videos like this. Keep your eyes glued on the channel over the holidays. We have some great stuff coming out, I promise you. And let me know what you think in the comments or on Twitter at Max underscore Randall. I'm sure you have some opinions to share at my face. And other than that, guys, have a lovely holiday season.